everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Fulfillment Podcast, where we help discover better you by finding fulfillment in life, relationships, and finance. I'm your host, Josh. And in this episode, we're talking about the three dopes of income and the fact, you know what? I'm going to add something to it too. The fact that money is not evil. There needs to be a little mindset uh, check, I think, in this episode. Something I went through, something I'm kind of still dealing with or whatever, right? But I don't think you ever fully get over it. But there's, there's a mindset check that goes into money and, uh, I think that's one of the biggest keys to unlocking a couple of the different later points that we'll talk about. So we talk about, we'll talk about three different types of income, what they are, how to work on them and how to grow them, what the focus is and where you want to get. And the mindset shift that has to occur in order to kind of get to the point where you're in this like financial fulfillment, right? To where you're financially free, not worrying about money anymore. It's not something that's on the back of your mind. You have like an abundance of it, right? It's an abundance. Uh, mindset that you have to have in order to kind of get to where you need to be with these. So what are the three types of the different income levels or different income streams? Is it, these are things that people have asked about. So that's why I kind of like come up with some of these topics is uh, I've gotten questions on it. So it's just talking about, okay, here's, here's one of the questions that I was asked and uh, here, here's the answer, right? So three types of income and, and the, where this came from was uh, somebody's asking about kind of like the real estate and stuff that I'm doing, uh, as well as one of my businesses. And it's just like, what, what is that to you? Like, why, why are you doing that? And like, well, this is, you know, this is my leveraged income or this is my passive income, you know? So they, they understand it and it gets a little bit irrelevant. So kind of putting the whole picture together helps you understand a little bit of where you're at. So what are the three types of income? We'll start from left to right. Well, there's, there's your earned income, then you have leveraged income, and then you have your passive income. There's actually two types of passive income and I'll I'll kind of touch on that a little bit, but for reference, if you guys want to reference anything that I'm going to talk about in this episode, uh, Dan rock, Dan Locke writes a couple books. And the first one he wrote is called F U money. And this is where he really breaks down kind of these four types of income. Well, we'll stick to three. I'll break down passive income into the two that it is, but, uh, it breaks down the different types of income a lot in F U money and the whole concept behind F U money is get yourself to a financial point where you're financially free to where you can pretty much, you're no longer controlled by people or by money, right? You're not controlled by it. And what that means is you have such an abundance that you no longer are doing things based on your financial capabilities, right? If you want to go on vacation, you go on vacation because you want to, right? You're free to do what you want. And that's what the the money provides. Um, If somebody wants you to do something or do something stupid that you don't agree with or don't believe in, you don't have to because you have enough money, you can tell them to fuck off, right? So that FU part of FU money is have enough money to where you can tell people to fuck off if you want to. If you don't like them, you don't need them in your life, you don't have to listen to them, right? Think about all the nonsense and the bullshit that we've put up with as you're growing up or as you're doing your damn near like your adult jobs, right? That you don't want to do and all this stuff that you just sit there and deal with all the negativity, all the pessimism, all that kind of stuff, right? That you deal with because you need the money. And if you have enough money to where you say, no, fuck you. Like I don't need to do that. And you can give them the bird. Then you can kind of, you, you've reached this kind of freedom and this fulfillment point where you don't have to do things for other people. If you don't want to, it's, it's a freeing, right? It's a freedom kind of realization. It's a freeing point. So he talks about that nephew money. That's the whole premise behind that book. The other one that he has is called unlock it. And that's a more recent one. I think he released it maybe uh, a year or two ago. But unlock it's just based on realizing your potential and understanding that you're not hindered behind old things. So Dan Locke is uh, an immigrant to America, came over to America from China, I believe, with his mom when he was about 10 years old. Uh, Didn't have any money to their name, didn't have anything. I think his dad left them, and that was like the basis of why she left and why they started the transitioning piece. So they left China, they came over to America, 
I forget where. Oh, no, they went to Canada, actually. That's where it was. Win, I think uh, maybe not Windsor. But um, they went to Canada, and that's where he got everything started. So his mom was working, like, three different jobs or something, and he's like, I want to do something to, to help out or whatever. And uh, his big thing was, like, go to school. That's what his mom really wanted him to do. But he started these little businesses, uh, just selling things and mowing lawns, and that's kind of, like, where he started. So Unlock It is kind of the concept of he talks about letting go and understanding that you need to relinquish the concept of money being bad, money being evil, and the fact that money can kind of like control your life and it's a it's a mindset shift that you need to put yourself in so you get to the point where you can realize that money's not the bad thing you can make it good or bad depending on who you are kind of like brett knutson talked about in our last interview um it, it's a tool it, it inherently is nothing it's just a tool it has no purpose or side to it it's all about how you use it and what you do with it that determines if it's good or bad right so it's, it's your character more or less, you personally, your character that determines on money. And so that's what he talks about Unlock It. So I really encourage you guys this episode, go check out FU Money or Unlock It, both by Dan Locke and both kind of talking about a lot of the concepts that we have in this book. So Dan Locke now is the, uh, he dubs himself as like the king of high ticket sales. He does really high high ticket um, sales consulting with businesses and stuff and helps growing and advancing businesses. So super, super successful, super wealthy dude. Uh, crushing it again really really good mindset good guy to follow good guy to understand um, but th those are two of his books that I, I highly recommend and that's what this episode is going to be following so let's dive into what the three types of income are so we'll start left to right we'll start with earned income then we'll talk about leverage and then we'll get into passive and we'll break down passive afterwards so the first one your earned income okay this is what when we think of income this is kind of what everybody essentially has everybody essentially has earned income or that's what you're doing right that's what when you wake up in the morning and you think of going to work or you think of going to your job or whatever that's your earned income okay so your earned income is trading time for money you're you're trading your your effort and your time for money so you are if you think about somebody that what work you know, a coal miner or a grocery store clerk or a banker right those different jobs right you're literally trading your time so you're going in you're starting at nine then you're working all day until five o'clock you check out you get paid for the hours that you put in you get paid your 40 hours a week and that's what your paycheck's based on right so that's what most people work on earned income so if you think about it right and when we get well as we go through all this there's just so many things that are gonna run through my head it's insane. So I'm going to try and get everything out and I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible. So good luck trying to speed this episode up because I doubt that there's any way you could probably listen to this on a faster speed other than one X. But regardless, let's talk. So earned income, everybody's got earned income and that's what everybody thinks that they, that is existing. That's all that exists, right? We, we understand, we hear about like passive income and stuff and it's like the great mystery. Let's get to passive income so we don't have to worry about it. And we save up in our 401ks and Roth IRAs and all that stuff. So we can retire someday on our passive income that we've been saving up our entire life. Okay. So that's like, that's where the passive income comes from, but the earned income ultimately fuels whatever it is that you're like, you're trying to do, right? So anybody that's doing like entrepreneurial stuff, um, my one business, my JR Media business, that's my earned income. That's where I'm directly doing things for other people. So you're providing a service or a product or you're producing a product and you're trading the time that you're doing for producing that product or providing that service to a customer. You're trading that time for, for a dollar amount, right? So if you're working on if you're working as an employee of a business your employer determines that and then pays you what they determine your like share of the effort is worth and that's your earned income that's what they're doing now if you're an um, you're not like an entrepreneur so you're you're determining all these things on your own and you're putting it all forth it's it's the product or service that you're producing 
and you're providing for the client and what that client's willing to pay for it is what you're earning on your income. That's what your time is worth, right? So you talk about Elon Musk and he says that your, your financial wealth is not based on what you like, how much you can make or all the stuff. It's, it's directly determined to the, the correlation of the difficulty of the problem that you're trying to solve. So if you can solve a relatively difficult problem, generally your time, the earned income that you're going to make is going to be worth much greater than somebody that isn't necessarily doing something that's as high ticket or as high value, right? So if you're if you're selling stickers, right, you're probably not going to make as much for that sticker as somebody that's uh, like Elon Musk, like designing electric cars and the most advanced AI that we've ever seen and trying to send people to Mars, right? He's probably going to make a little bit more than the guy selling stickers because a sticker has less value and the solution that it's coming up with is is a lot less tangible than what it is than he's doing. Uh, maybe maybe tangible is not the right word, but I think you kind of like understand what I'm trying to say, right? It's a lot less valuable, really, especially to like fewer people. So think of it like that. That's how your earned income is is directly correlated. So that's that's your earned income, okay? So earned income, trading time for money. You're producing a product service and you're trading that for what somebody's willing to pay for it. So you're trading time for money. Now, let's get into the income number two. Income number two is your leveraged income. So what is leveraged income? Good question. Leveraged income is you can think of it most in most ways, but it's leveraging. So you, it's leveraging your money against time. So the first one is leverage time against money, right? That's earned income. Leverage your time against money to get money. The second one, leveraged income, is you leverage your money to buy time. Now, you might be looking at me like I'm crazy. And if you're driving, you might be scratching your head a little bit. But let's break this down. So you can't buy time, right? We always talk about how you can't buy time, right? You can't buy more time. However, you can buy other people's time. So if you think about the employee that's working and earning that earned income from an employer, now think about who the business owner is and who's the one that's deciding to employ that individual. That in that person is essentially leveraging the money that they have to purchase somebody else and buy their time to put it towards whatever it is that they're trying to do. Now, the crazy part about this is that your leveraged income is typically where a lot of business owners fail. Because there's always a point in business growth to where you cannot do the job yourself. And you need to be able to do what they call scale. You need to be able to scale your business at a certain point. And when you start doing enough work to where you're like, I cannot do any more work myself. I need to bring more people on. Or I need to hire more software. I need to do these things, right? That's when you start leveraging your income. That's when you get to the point where you have to scale and you have to learn how to leverage. Now, if you can't do that properly, if you don't know how to do it, if you avoid doing it, if you don't do it, then you start to do this thing where you start dwindling, right? If your business isn't growing, it's dying. And that's something I need you to write down and make sure you keep, especially if you're going into a business venture, if you're not growing, you're dying. So you need to constantly be improving, constantly growing, constantly spending money to grow and improve the business. Never get in a sedentary state to where you're like, this is where I want to be. This I'm happy with what I got, right? A lot of contractors and stuff do that, that I deal with. They get to a point where they're like, you know what? I'm making $75,000 a year. I'm paying the bills. I'm earning a, a happy little income, you know, and I'm living with my family. Sure. That's great. If that's what you want as a mediocre life and you want to just be where you're at. Fantastic. Now, if you want to think bigger and you want to think how to get forward and how to continue to push yourself, you need to be using that income, that additional income, and maybe not taking any personally, right? So you pay all your bills and make sure all that stuff kind of paid off, but maybe you're not going out and buying that fancy new Lamborghini that some else that's making $300,000 that year would be buying, 
right? You're taking that money and instead you're leveraging everything that's additional. You're putting that back into the business. You're hiring more employees. You're buying a new office space. You're buying more distribution. You're building partnerships with bigger companies. You're doing all the things that you need to. You're, you're buying more marketing and more advertising, right? Because those are the things that are going to help you scale. That's what's going to help you get more money. And then you can take that and continue to leverage it and continue to grow and advance the business. Right? So it's all about growing and understanding how to leverage money. So you can leverage money against other people's time. You can also leverage it in a, another form is uh, in your advertising and marketing. Right? So you can leverage that and you can use that to get across to a broader audience. And that's another way of, again, leveraging your income to grow more. So Dan Locke talks in his book, he talks about your earned income needs to be the lowest of the three. Your leveraged income needs to be the highest of the three. And then your passive income is something that's steadily growing constantly over time. Now, here's the reason for that. So I kind of like, I mediocrely kind of disagree with that. But at the same time, let me tell you why he's right. So he's right. Your earned income needs to be the lowest. Now, it doesn't mean it's gone. doesn't mean you don't have any. I've done that. I've been there where I didn't have any earned income. And it's absolutely demoralizing. It's mostly what people think about when you get into retirement. And you don't all of a sudden, you have nothing to do. You have nothing going on. And you feel like this uh, overwhelming sense of uselessness. Like, like there's... Like there's nothing for you to do. You have no value to provide anymore. And you, you get an almost, it's, it's almost depressing. To a certain type of people, it's, it's almost depressing. And that's why I don't understand how welfare and all that stuff, people can just live on that stuff because it's, it's absolutely depressing when you feel like you have nothing to do and no value to provide to anybody. But your, your earned income can't be zero. Your earned income should always be the highest level that you can compete at without sacrificing your passive and your leveraged income. So as long as those two are, are at max capacity, you, then your earned income could be whatever's left over. You can't have your earned income be the highest earner of the three, percentage-wise, right? So you can't. So that's why he talks about it, and that's why I agree with him. The, the part that me disagrees with why your leveraged income should be the highest is I, I would say your passive income is the highest because that's what pays the bills. That's what buys a fancy truck. That's what buys a fancy car. That's what buys a nice house. That's what goes on the nice vacation, right? Your passive income is what pays all those kind of little things. Your 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 earned income, your leveraged income should just be like additional, just, just fun stuff on the top, right? So you should always be able to like, for example, I have, a, I have a super nice truck. I love my truck, but I didn't buy my truck until I had enough passive income coming in to essentially pay for the truck. So I wasn't paying for it. My, my passive income stream was. Uh, same thing with the houses, right? So I, I don't buy a house unless I can cash flow, you know, a certain percentage over it. And, and then, you know, that accumulates and that buys the place that I'm currently living in or renting, right? So it's just, it's about finding ways that I think your passive income needs to be up there because your passive income is what pays for everything else. For all the liabilities you have, your passive income is paying for it. So that's the only part of me that disagrees, but at the same time, it's kind of synonymous with what he says because that's essentially saying the same thing. It's just understand when your liabilities come into the picture instead of just looking at only your income streams. So that is number two. That's your leveraged income. Your leveraged income is the money that you use to leverage against other people's time. Okay, so that's how you make more money. And that's, that's really how businesses grow. And that's how that one should be your highest earning. That should be the most amount of money that you make of everything should be your leveraged income. All right, because that's, that's where you can grow the most. You can leverage it against everything else and other people and, and other places, right, and other businesses. You can use that money to grow the most. You can't do it with passive income. That's always just like, constantly shifting money over to it, right? Your earned income should be constantly building your passive income streams, but your leverage income should constantly be growing and building itself because that's where you can make the most money. All right. So that's passive. That's the second one. Okay. Now to the third one. This one has two parts. This is your passive income. So this is the third type of income. So the first one is earned. 
The second one is leveraged. The third one is your passive income. Okay, so what is passive income? We've heard about it. We hear about it all the time. It's probably all over Instagram and everything else that we that we follow and stuff on social. Everybody's always promising all these different revenue streams and everything else that you can do. Well, they're all talking about passive income, right? So what is true passive income? Passive income is the ability for your money to work for itself, to, to spit you off whatever it is, is giving you money without you necessarily doing anything in return. So an example of this, and this is probably the most prominent example is real estate. You buy a house and you rent it out and now you have passive income as long as you're cash flowing positive, right? So as long as your NOI is, is, a, is net cash flow positive, then you're gonna you have essentially passive income, right? So we'll say 500 bucks or a thousand dollars on top. That's your passive income. You do that enough times, you have enough passive income to to live, right? If you're right now working a job and you're making six grand a month, and you want to get to six thousand dollars a month of passive income, so income that's coming in without you doing anything, then what you do is you purchase assets that provide income. You can do that in the form of houses, townhouses, duplexes quadplexes, triplexes, multiplexes, right? Multifamily um, apartment complexes and stuff. You can also, there's also different types of passive income streams, right? So you can buy stocks that kick off dividends, right? So AT&T kicks off 7% dividend. That's an example of passive income. Now it only kicks out quarterly. So you have to understand that you're not going to get that every month. You're not going to get that every week. It's going to cut kick off. It's you're not going to get it whenever it closes a deal or a sale or a, a reservation, right? It's only going to kick off when those dividends get pushed out. So you take that into account too, when you start talking about how much of the passive income is that you're buying, but that's an example, right? So you can buy stocks that can also kick off dividends. That's a form of passive income, real estate, rental, real estate is a form of passive income. Uh, Airbnbs, right? Short-term rentals. That's a form of passive income. Um, let's see, let's think about, oh, like YouTube channels and Instagram pages and Etsy accounts and stuff, right? If you're selling something on Etsy, say you're selling uh, storyboards or, or quotes or whatever, right? And you're drop shipping them. So, it, so it's people can purchase and you're not doing anything. It's all set up. So when they purchase the, the product gets created and gets shipped and it goes straight to the customer. You don't hold any inventory. You're not processing anything. You're not packaging anything. You're not sending anything. It's just, it's all happening behind the scenes without you doing anything you're creating passive income, right? So that's a passive income stream. Uh, YouTube channels, when you get up to a thousand subscribers and your channels start popping off and your your videos start kicking off, right? They start putting ads in your videos. You can you have the option to monetize. You can start getting ads in your videos. Those ads pay you a passive income stream, right? That can be a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, right? Every month that's getting passed off into your account. That's passive income. You're not doing anything for it, but it's coming in. Um, let's see, there's, you probably understand, right? There's, there's all sorts of opportunities to earn passive income. Um, think about that, right? And as you get into things, right, as you start looking at retirement accounts and all that, when somebody gets to the age of retirement and they look at liquidating like an IRA or a 401k, that turns into a passive income stream. So it's essentially building equity during their entire life as they shift their earned income over to it. And they're throughout their life, right, until they get to the age of 60, 59 and a half, 60 years old, and they want to start withdrawing from it. Everything that they're earning is getting kicked, essentially, a percentage they're putting away into their 401k, right? Their 401k or their IRA. Now, as they get to the age, and once they get to that retirement age, 59 and a half or 60, 65, whenever they want to start withdrawing from that account, once they start withdrawing from it, that money is already there. They know how much is there. They know how much they can take out every year and every month in order to live on it, that's a passive income stream. They've built that, they've transferred their earned income into the passive income, and they've built that over the course of their lifetime. 
So then at that point, that's passive income. Now, while it's growing, right, you can't use it and you can't access it. So it's, it's literally, it's only, it's kind of like an asset. I, th- I think it's a really shitty asset, but it's not, it's an asset nonetheless, and it's growing. Now, why, why do I say it's, an, it's a shitty asset? And somebody asked me this uh, earlier, but the reason, okay, so the reason I think that, and again, I'm not a financial advisor while well, I was, but I'm um, not giving financial advice here. So don't anybody take any of this literally, but I can tell you what I'm doing and how I look at things. And the reason I think that your IRA and 401ks are not good investments and good things you do is because think about what you have to do in order to grow that and think about what you could instead be doing with that same money today to grow a more valuable asset. So an asset that appreciates more and an asset that kicks off a greater dividend or a greater payment every month. Okay, so I'm strictly talking about like real estate, YouTube channels, Etsy, like all those kind of little like little side hustle things. All of those things are better examples, I think, of a retirement account than an actual retirement account. Sure, retirement account actually has tax benefits and all this stuff, but there's proper ways of setting things up into LLCs and corporation structures that you can actually get the same tax advantages as you would from an IRA or 401k that if you just do it and set it up properly through the right legal channels, you get the same tax benefits. You All the proceeds and everything will go through it. You'll all get tax benefits properly in the same way. It's it's the exact same stuff, but it's it's a much... It's a it's a, almost a greater level of thinking. It's not harder. Trust me, it's not it's not hard at all. It's not a harder level of thinking. It's not a higher level of thinking. It's just a, it's a different level. You have to think at a different level because I think for the for the middle class and for the average, just humdrum basic thinkers, right? Sure, 401k IRA, dump your money away and have fun. Like good luck, right? You're never going to be able to use that money. You're not going to be able to touch it until you're 65 or 60 years old, 59 and a half technically, but 60 years old, right? You're not gonna be able to touch that money, whatever. It's You're just pumping money away into something you're never gonna see. But what if you took that same amount of money that you're gonna put away into one of those accounts, you bought a house, and instead that house is now kicking you off one, two, three thousand $3,000 a month because you're renting it out. Maybe you're short-term renting it out, right? And it's kicking you that money back every month. Now it's paying more dividends than what like stock is going to, right? AT&T is one of the most well-known uh, dividend kicks, and it's 7%. Now, your house could be kicking you off. No, we'll say that dividend is, uh, we'll say, $1,200 because you have $150,000 invested, right? Or whatever that breaks down. If you have $100,000, you get uh, seven grand. So we'll say every year you're going to get 7000 on that 100000 that you have invested in. So you're getting right around $2,300 or so every, every quarter, right? That's what you're going to get right around two. Is that worth it to you? Or it's actually it's it's seventy uh, seventeen fifty. That's what you're going to get every quarter. So every three months you're going to seventeen fifty. So you get kicked off on that. So you have to ask yourself: Could you take a hundred thousand dollars instead, purchase real estate, and have real estate pay you that rate or greater every single month? My answer would be yes. I, it, well, I've proven it, right? I have a whole business structured behind it. I actually have a whole business that's related to really just purchasing real estate because I believe in it so much. It's so much better. And the cool thing with real estate is you also get the same tax benefits and all that stuff similar, very, very, very similar to what you'd get in a 401k or IRA. So it's all about where you're positioning kind of like your passive income. Now, again, as long as you're purchasing passive income, I think that's the best thing you can do. Like take your earned income, shift it to passive income. The goal is always to work right. Right. You should always, I say like leverage income is important, but a lot of people, I think the idea of owning and starting a business is too big for them. So they skip right over leverage income and they go straight to passive. So again, as long as you're shifting your money from your earned income to your passive income, you're, you're moving forward, right? If you're, if you're only taking earned income and spending it and losing it straight to liabilities, you're, you're not doing it right. Okay. You're going to, you're constantly worried about money. You're going to constantly feel broke. You're going to constantly feel like you don't have enough money to spend. But if you're at least taking a percentage of it, and at the most basic level, you're shifting some percentage of your earned income to 
passive income, you're at least doing something right. You're moving and you're starting to work in the right direction. Now, what I'd really, really encourage people to do is take your earned income and, and pump that shit away into leveraged income until your leveraged and passive income pass what your earned income is. And at that point you stop working and you just start doing all the leverage stuff, right? <laughs> so you can start doing that. And as, as part of your leveraged income, right? So if you're running a business and that's how you're leveraging that, that leveraged income, you're still, you're still getting a, a piece of, of earned income, right? Cause you're essentially, you're, you're going to pay yourself some of the business earnings and that's your earned income. But, but what I'm saying is like, you're quitting like your full-time job, you're quitting your like nine to five and you're, you're doing your passion full-time and that's how you do it, right? That's slowly how you start working that way. But getting back to the passive income, as long as you're doing something to build passive income, you're going to work yourself in the right direction and you'll be able to retire someday. That's the most basic level of understanding that you need to know. The goal is, is for your passive income to be higher than your uh, earned income and your liabilities. So your expenses, and this is what Robert Kiyosaki says in rich dad, poor dad. Again, read that book too. If there's, if there's any book that changes your life, I'd almost recommend that over both the Dan Locke's book that I, books that I said earlier. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That guy, in that book, it will change the perspective that you have on money. He talks about the same things too. Talks about these three types of income and, and everything. But he talks in the way of understanding and learning that you your goal is to get the passive income over what you're like liabilities, what your expenses are every month, your passive income needs to su- like supersede that. And if you get to that point, that's when you reach like financial freedom, right? That's when you no longer, you get out of what they call the rat race. Cause you can quit your job, your nine to five job at that point. If your passive income, the money that you're not even working for is earning you money more than what you have to pay every month. We'll say your car bills, your utilities, your house, all that kind of stuff. Like everything that you have to pay if all of those bills will say is $2,000 a month, okay? If it's, if it's two grand a month and your passive income is making like four grand a month, then you're making $2,000 on top of paying all the bills every single month without doing anything, okay? So it frees up a lot of time. And that's when most people, like that's when I started my leverage income and we're like, holy shit, what am I doing? And I need to start a business, right? So, <laughs> so I'm not saying just start a business, but I'm saying understand kind of the concept. So, so read that book, absolutely. Um, Audible, you obviously go and listen to it. I listen to a lot of stuff on Audible, but uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, awesome book, really good, talks about all these topics. But getting back to it, so your passive income gets to a point where eventually it, it surpasses the liabilities and the expenses you have any month, and that's kind of when you get yourself out of the rat race. That's when you get out of the nine to five. So those are the three types of income. So you have your earned income on the far left, trading time for money. You have your leveraged income in the middle. That's where you leverage your money for other people's time. And then you have your passive income that is earning money without you doing anything, right? So the goal is to shift to the right. The goal is to move everything to the right. Now, I say you want to move, you want to move it to the right, right? From earned income to leveraged and passive. And you want to do like 75% leverage, 25% passive. That's kind of how like the breakdown. So if you have $100,000 in a year that you're making, then you need to take 75,000 and leverage that into a business and growing your business and take 25,000 and purchase, you know, a, a piece of real estate or go into an investment portfolio with somebody and, and purchase real estate. That's going to earn you that passive income. Okay. Um, there's two types. So let's get, I talked about how I would break down what passive income is and why there's actually like four pillars to this, um, instead of three, but why, why is that? And that's because your passive income can break down. It breaks down into two different types. So there's two types of passive income. What are those two types of passive income? So we talked about all the examples. Two types of passive income are your variable and fixed passive income. 
So what are examples of variable and fixed passive income? All right, so your variable passive income is like your stocks, right? So we talked about 401k and a Roth IRA or just an IRA. Um, you also have other stock investments and stuff. All those things are passive income. Now they're variable because the value of that passive income is constantly changing, right? It's constantly shifting, it's constantly changing. So every single month, things are jumping around. So your dividend payouts, right? Let's say you have everything invested in AT&T is going to change constantly. It's constantly going to be fluctuating because you could be earning more or less based on the performance of that stock, based on the shares that you hold and the performance that that stock has in that quarter period. Okay. So that's one example of variable passive income. Now what's an, ex what's another example of variable passive income. Another example is let's say I'm very big into the rental market, right? So I have two types of, I have both. So if I have a piece of real estate, I try and leverage both types fixed and let and variable in that real estate portfolio. So what I have is if you think short-term rentals, so we think hotels, we think Airbnb, those kind of things, right? Things where people book and they stay usually typically less than 30 days in a place. That's an example of variable passive income. You're not doing anything for it. People are booking and, and working, you know, and, and doing stuff on their own and, and they're booking through the site and you're earning the income from them booking. Now, the reason it's variable is because think about it, right? Each month can change. The months that are more popular or have big holidays or big events that are going on in your city typically are going to be more lucrative than the events and the months that the months that don't have any events or don't have any holidays or don't have any big things going on, right? Or the colder months or whatever. If you live in like a beach town or something, if they're colder, they're probably going to be earning less income, right? And the same thing goes true if you're like in a ski resort you're probably gonna be earning more income over the winter season than you would over the summer season, right? So it, it varies, right? It constantly is shifting and changing. So that's an example of variable passive income. It's constantly shifting, it's constantly changing, but you're still not working for it, right? You're not tr directly trading time for money. You're really just getting passive return on your money. So so it's, it's an example of variable passive income. Now, what is fixed passive income? All right, so fixed passive income is like an annuity or a retirement check, right, a pension. Or uh, we talk about long-term leases. I said short-term leases are variable, right? Because it can change each month based on whatever. But if you have somebody sign a 12-month lease, you know exactly what they're paying every month and you know exactly when it's coming in. It's a predictable form of passive income, right? So that's a long-term lease. Somebody signs a lease for 12 months, you know they're gonna pay you 1,500 bucks every single month. That is fixed, it is not gonna change. It is fixed passive income. Now let's talk about why like retirement accounts and annuities and pensions are that way. Well, it's the same It's the same thing, right? It's very predictable. You know exactly what you're gonna get. An annuity is gonna kick out the same amount of money. Your 401k when you're, when you're retired is going to kick out the exact same amount of money. Your IRA is going to kick out the exact same amount of money. Like every single month it's structured to kick out exactly the same payment because that's what you, you, you take. When you get to the point where you start withdrawing on that account, you understand, okay, this is what I need to live on this is how much I'm going to withdraw, and this is what my account, the balance, can support. So you, you withdraw based on that amount. You can change that, but ideally, that's what it is, right? So that's that's fixed passive income. That should make sense. Again, real estate and all that kind of stuff, we talk about multifamily properties. Um, it's interesting because multifamily, so if we're talking like 30 plus units and we're getting into like bigger type things, if you got like 200 units, right? and your occupancy rates vary, then you can kind of have fluctuations to your passive income. So if that 
we'll say that complex is earning you $2 million a year, but you have a 90% occupancy rate. Now one year, maybe something happens, the economy goes bad, or that area is getting a little trashed, or something happens and your occupancy rate drops down to like 80%. Now you could be losing out on another you know, $500,000 that year. So it's gonna shift, right? It's gonna vary, it's gonna change. So you just have to be able to understand those kind of things. And that's where people, I think, get nervous about starting businesses and buying big things. But remember, fortune favors the risky. And that's why so many things, all these things that we talk about, when I say so many people sit in this earned income bubble and that's all they do and they work their entire life away to build a passive income portfolio of just their IRA when they get to their 60s that they can live on, it's because people don't, they're not willing to take the risk. They're not willing to shift more money over. They're not willing to shift money into a leveraged income column. You know, they're not, they're not willing to do the things that you need to do and they don't take the risk. And as a result, they never see the reward. And I know we always say risk, you know, risk versus reward and all this stuff, right? But you, it can't be more true. If you don't understand it, it cannot be more true because your ability to understand that if you take the risk, you give yourself the opportunity to seize better opportunity and better results. So you have to learn to take the risk. And that's how you shift from the left to the right on this income scale is you start giving yourself better opportunities. You start giving yourself more opportunities to grow and seize and do better. And that's how you start to grow and get yourself out of this. And the whole goal, right, to get yourself out of this rat race of sitting into doing something that you don't want to do. Everybody has different passions. Everybody has different desires. Everybody has different things that they can provide and give to the world. And the same thing is true with needs, right? Everybody has different needs. So if everybody's got a different thing that they're good at and everybody's got a different thing that they need, guess what? You have a limitless economy because you can provide what you have to anybody that's out there that they, that they need it. Your goal is to just find who they are. And I think people get nervous that they can't do that or they don't have something they need, but that's not true. Understand that everybody has the capabilities to do whatever they want, whenever they want. You just have to take the risk. And some of us are not willing to take that risk. That's the biggest eye-opening thing that I've realized. And, and another thing too, the struggle that I've really dealt with and had a hard time with is understanding the concept that money is not the root of all evil. Grew up in a middle-class family. If you guys watched the, the last episode of my interview with Breath Knudsen, same way, right? Middle-class family, didn't do a lot. Money wasn't very extravagant. Um, it was a scarcity mindset, right? Our fridge was constantly just, it still is to this day, unless my mom's cleaned it out. I know I've worked with them, my sisters and stuff, and talked to her and stuff about it, but just this scarcity mindset of like, save, 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 save. We can never, like, we'll never have enough. We'll just always save everything. And it's just like this gremlin mentality of like, you gotta save. But in reality, it's not that you gotta save. It's not that there's not enough money out there. It's just you don't have enough money. Like, what if, you had, what if you had enough money? What if you had an abundance of money, right? What if you had so much that you just didn't need to worry about it anymore, right? You wouldn't be packing your fridge full of four damn ketchup bottles and 21 ranch, right? 21 things of ranch. You wouldn't need to. You're not saving apples from three weeks ago. You're not saving all these limes and carrots and onions and just shit that doesn't keep more than just a week or two. And you've got it in there from three months ago. You know, like you're not going to save that stuff because you get yourself out of this mindset of like scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. There's not enough, not enough, never going to get enough. You get yourself out of that mindset and you put yourself in this mindset of abundance and you start learning and seeing things differently. And you start thinking, you know what? It's not that I didn't have enough money. It's just I didn't know where to find it. Now I know where to find it and I can shift myself out of that. You get yourself into the kind of this, this abundance mentality and then you'll notice once you start doing that, once you get yourself into this abundance mindset that all of these things start coming together, right? You have to put abundance out there. You have to be abundant yourself. You have to put abundance out there. And by you doing those things, 
all that kind of stuff comes back to you. And it's interesting. It's very, very interesting when you start doing it. So that's what I'm saying. Take these risks. Take these leaps. Realize that your life is abundant and there's more opportunity out there than you've ever been knowledgeable of before. And you can take these risks because there's no drawback, right? While you see like, I could lose everything, right? You could. And what would that teach you? That would teach you how to do it better when you came back. I was just listening to an interview uh, from uh, David Meltzer. He was on the Andy Frisilla show, the Real AF podcast. And Andy Frisilla was talking with him and David Meltzer. He's a multimillionaire now. Uh, I think he's a multimillionaire. I don't think he's at a billion. But um, guys started like multiple, multiple businesses, right? And the interesting is the interesting thing is, is he took a lot of risks, right? He did a lot of things and it all went belly up at one point. It all, he, he filed for bankruptcy, right? It all went under. Now, the cool thing about that is he didn't stop. He learned from it. He saw it as an opportunity. He grew and he came back even stronger. And he's like, you know what? I'm doing it right this time. I've learned all these valuable lessons and all these really important things. And like, I know what I need to do to keep my mind right and my head straight because that's not the end of the road. Like I'm going to continue to grow. And I remember I like, again, this my parents and it, they, they know they know what they know because that's the that's the most that they've had, right? So it's not like I'm I'm not dogging on anybody or saying anybody's bad or or shame shame on anyone for what they've taught or taught you because they everybody teaches and does the best that they know how. Until they learn better, they're never going to know better. Until they know until they learn better, they're not going to know better, right? So I I don't I don't want to shame anybody or say anything because they're doing the best they can. But my parents have taught me again, like take the risks but understand the consequences. And I think it's more of don't do things you can't afford to do. And I'm saying, hell no, do it, do it and learn and, and pay for the lessons that you can learn. Right? I've, I've spent shit over the course of the last few months. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars learning lessons, right? It's not failing. I'm not saying I failed on anything specifically, but I learned lessons and I paid to learn those lessons. And those are lessons I was never going to learn unless I was willing to pay what I paid to learn them. Wrap your head around that for a second right? You're not willing to learn the lesson. If you're not willing to pay to learn that lesson, you have to be willing to take some chances. Sometimes you have to be willing to take these leaps. And that's what leads you to the financial freedom that you're capable of. And doing all the things that you're capable of is once you're willing and you understand that, all right, I need to take that leap. All right. I need to start looking. I need to buy a house that I can rent out. Okay. I need to start this business that I've always been, you know, so concerned about people asking me about my passive income streams and stuff. You know, one of the things that uh, I think was like the hardest and one of the things, the last things that my parents really found out about, because there's a long time there for a few months that I just did not tell anybody, like still even now, I don't think everybody knows everything that I'm doing, but I really didn't tell my family because one, I didn't want to feel judged. So one of those things, right? You got to get past that fear. Didn't want to feel judged, but I also didn't think that they'd understand. And it would just be this constant negativity of, you can't do it or that's a dumb investment or what are you thinking, right? All that negativity that I didn't want in my life. So I just, one, I would distance myself and two, I just wouldn't tell them anything. But this passive income stream that I started of YouTube channels, right? I have six YouTube channels now. They're all kicking off passive income due to the ad growth and stuff. But I mean, understanding that these things are possible and like, why not, right? Take, start asking yourself why not instead of what if, like what if, what if it goes under? Yeah, what if it goes up? What if it, what if it takes off? Why not? Why not take that risk? You only live in one life. Give it a shot. Why would you not take the risk for the opportunity, right? Maybe it's going to set you back for a year. Maybe you're going to be in credit card debt for a while and it's going to be it's going to be rough and you're going to have all these things and you're going to be contemplating and that that year is going to be tough. But 
what happens at the back end of it? What if it takes off? What if, what if it costs you a year of doom and gloom and doubt, but after that, your whole rest of your life, the next 70, 80 years of your life is just nothing but up, 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 up. Everything is good. All because you took that one year to take that risk, right? Is that worth it? Absolutely it is. So ask yourself those questions. Think in that mindset. And that's what I, I had to get myself to that point where I was willing to be like, all right, fam, either you're on board or you're not, but this is what I'm doing and check it out. And you know what? You know what's changed? You know, the kind of interesting thing about it is once, and I'm not going to say it's like once it takes off or once it starts doing well, but once they see your success and where you're at, um, they, they quickly get behind you, right? They quickly understand and they quickly like, they're like, whoa, you've been doing this for what? How long now? Holy smoke. Like, whoa, it's making you, whoa, you know? And they, they start like, starts kind of seeing the light and that's how you can start like, start shifting these mindsets, right? You start shifting them from that closed state to that open state to where they're like, okay, I'm open. I want to learn, teach me how to learn. And you being in the growth state can pull them along in that sequence, right? So I can, I can pull them along. So now my dad's now gotten in one of my businesses is a real estate investing company. He's now getting in on one of the deals, like starting to build his passive income stream so that when it comes to retirement in the next five years, he's got a nice portfolio set aside to where he's earning a healthy and handsome amount passively, not even including the 401k and IRA that he's been putting away for, right? So it's, it's really cool learning that you can, you can help these people and you can help people see and understand this stuff if you just start doing the right things. And you start thinking, you start thinking, it's really just starting to think different, letting go of the things that are kind of like holding you back and the things that like, like you're like, Oh, I'm scared. Good. Be scared, be scared and take off after it. Right. Trying to convince people to understand that fear is good. Understand when you feel that fear, like, like leap, leap, leap at it, go at it. Right. Take, take off after it. Um, there was a conference that I went to a uh, grant Cardone conference and I was in the room with millionaires, right? People are just making millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, with the businesses that they've grown throughout the course of their life. And me at the time, right? I was doing shit. I was in the startup phase. Oh, I'm making nothing. I was broke as fuck. I wasn't broke as fuck. My mind's, well, my mindset wasn't broke as fuck, but I was broke as fuck, right? So I was racking up debt and just building. But the thing was I was building into the asset column and not the liability column. So I was, I was building something that was going to pay me back someday. So for me, I, I knew it was good. That's why my, my mindset was wealthy. But surrounding myself with all these people, um, the, the interesting thing is, is you start doing that and you start realizing that these people, just they think different in like the proximity that you get. But like the lessons that you can learn too from all these people and the fear that you have. That like when I, I was there and there was a moment where we could do like role playing, right? We could role play kind of like a sales scenario with people. And I was not a huge fan of public speaking, right? Wasn't, didn't have the podcast rolling at the time. Like wasn't really big into a whole bunch of stuff. So I was not a huge fan of public speaking, especially being the dude, not earning any money, actually going backwards. I was, I was adding to the debt column instead of the, the money column. And, uh, I was going in the red instead of the green. And there was a chance where we could do some role playing with sales. And I was like, you know what? I'm scared of this, right? Cause I don't like it but I'm scared of it. So I should do it. So I volunteered and I got up there and it was a, it was a huge laugh show, right? And it was super embarrassing and it was not good. But, but what happened was there was a lady that was listening. She was in the, in the room and she was watching and, and she came up to me at the end of that day and she said, you know, Hey, saw what you did, did some like really ballsy stuff there. Uh, you know, and just started talking and I hit it off with her and she's like, you need to meet this guy. At the time I was looking for, you know, I wasn't looking for, but I didn't have a mentor at the time. And, uh, I had gone through a couple people 
who I talked to about, you know, mentorship and, you know, they offered that, but they weren't on the same page with me. So I didn't, I wasn't working with anybody. I didn't, I didn't lock anyone down and, and, you know, kind of like officially have somebody like sign off as like, this is the guy I'm going to go to. Um, but when this lady approached me at this conference, she's like, Hey, I met somebody. He's doing the same thing you're doing. He's a lot further along in the process. Here's his number. Like you should reach out to him. And I did. And it has been a beautiful relationship ever since. It's helped me earn, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars now that I do in my media business, like doing the same thing, same thing that he does. Right. So it's the same page, beautiful relationship, awesome people that I've met because of it. Great team. Like it's really helped me grow my business. And as you know, it's all a result of me jumping on fear. So, so that's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get to is being able to recognize that if you fear something like take action on it, if you fear leaving your job because you want to start this YouTube business that you've been dreaming of, right? Jump on that, take that leap forward with it and do it and put everything you have all in on that baby and go right. Find the right people, the right people that you can mentor and, and reach out to and follow and the books you can read, the, the podcasts that you can listen to, the YouTube channels that you can follow, like all the things that you can do to keep yourself in that high vibe mindset, that high vibe, that high growth mindset. So you're constantly growing and moving forward, jump on the fear and you can have those people kind of like encourage you until you're doing the right thing. I mean, shit, DM me, right? Send me a DM. And if I got time and if I don't have too many other people, I'd be more than happy, right? If I'm not in meetings or whatever, I'd be more than happy to answer back and to help you and tell you, you need to keep on track and you need to keep going. Cause it's all going to work out at some point. You just, you got to get over the hump, right? So I'd be more than happy to do that, but face the fears that you have and do the things that you've always felt like you should be doing, but you've been putting off. Do it. I, I definitely encourage you guys. So breaking everything back down. Okay. So let's recap all this stuff. You have your earned income, you have your leveraged income, you have your passive income. Passive income has two types. It has fixed and it has variable. We went through the different examples of everything. You want the earned income to be the lowest. You want your leveraged income to be the highest and you want your passive income to be somewhere kind of in the middle, ideally constantly just growing, right? You're constantly growing the passive income. So it's just, it's just building and building and building. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you'll eventually work your earned income to be just what you want it to be. And your leveraged income will be everything else. Okay. So that's, that's kind of the focus across the income spectrum. Your goal is to earn more passive income than you have liabilities, right? So your, your income exceeds the liabilities, the expenses that you have every month. And that's your goal, right? Your goal is to buy assets, to buy things that produce income, to buy digital assets like YouTube channels or Instagram pages, right? Those things are digital assets. They can kick you off income. You ask, how can Instagram do it? Instagram, you get a follow, you get a million followers, let's say, right? You, you throw a hat up for sale on your Instagram page. Hey, buy this hat or buy this string or buy the sticker or whatever. You got 1% of people buy the damn thing. You just made, you know, $150,000. So that's, that's how the power of Instagram works. Okay. So if you, if you guys haven't heard that already, that's how people make money. And that's why influencers and social presence is so strong. It's because you can literally just throw something up, a product or a service and people buy it. And then of course people will pay to advertise on your page to get that done if they don't have that following. So that, that's the power of social. And with that being said, that is the difference between digital and physical assets, right? Digital assets is your social presence and like YouTube and Instagram, like assets, those pages that can produce passive income for you, right? And like real estate, I really think real estate needs to be part of a portfolio. You need to have digital and physical assets. When you're looking at asset column, when you're building that passive income, it needs to be digital and physical assets. 
things that produce you income is an asset. So we need to look at things that are digital and physical assets. Instagram pages, YouTube channels, stuff like that are your digital assets. When we start looking at physical assets, I'm talking like real estate. Um, that's that's kind of like the biggest one I have. If you guys come up with any other examples, let me know. But real estate's probably the biggest one that I have for like physical assets. You need to buy physical assets that physically will pay you money. Um, other than that, that's like that's the example of kind of like your your asset column stuff. So you're always buying assets. Make sure you buy assets that pay for liability. So you're buying an asset before you buy a liability. So for example, that truck example I gave you, right? I bought an asset. I built a a small little business. It's my property management company pays enough money to me to not only pay for like cleaning costs and all that kind of stuff, but it also kicks off enough so that I can pay for this nice truck I have. Okay. So that's the goal. Buy an asset, build an asset that pays for the liability before you buy the liability. That's where people go broke or that's where they stay in the middle class or that's where they stay in the poor is when they're buying nothing but liabilities and expenses and they're not buying any assets. And that's where I want to redirect you guys back to Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He talks about the concept of buying assets before liabilities and how you should always be building your asset column. All right. If you guys have any questions, by all means, head on over on Instagram at fulfillment underscore mindset. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you guys liked, disliked about the episode. Let me know what you guys take away from this episode. There's a lot of really good content in here. I think I could even break it down into some more stuff. So let me know what you guys want to hear, especially if you want to talk about assets and liabilities, what those can be, what those can do for you, how you can break all those things down. If you guys want me to break down any of the books that I mentioned in the episode, I talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I also talked about FU Money and Unlock It, both by Dan Locke. If you guys want me to break down any one of those books, send me some uh, DMs. Let me know, you know some of the concepts or topics that you specifically want me to touch on or to break down about those books, You know, write the title and stuff and we can definitely do an episode breaking down each one of those because those books are very, very, very important. I think when we talked about unlocking like the mindset and shifting your mindset from buying shit that you don't need or shit that you want, but probably don't need and buying things like assets instead, right? And what that can do for you as you move forward. Like I said, give yourself a year, dedicate yourself to a year of growth, set yourself aside, be silent. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. Be quiet and become unrecognizable. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope to see you guys in the next one. See ya.